0: Every Shabbos is hard for kips. Every yontes is especially hard for kips. It throws everything off. There's a lot of family time, which is hard for them. There's a lot of, uh, it's not like school and work, even though they don't go to school or work sometimes, but at least that's normal. Here they have a lot of downtime, a lot of sudas, a lot of kefilka fish. It's very hard for them. A lot of Judaism happening throughout the weeks, two-day, three-day yontes, chalamoid, shamlach, Shabbos begudim, it's all very hard, a lot of bad memories, it's a very tough time, but out of all of the Yom that are hard, Pesach is obviously going to be the hardest for a kip. Besides for all the normal restrictions, you have all the additional restrictions, and a lot of them, they feel like, I'm not religious, and I'm living in this religious home, it's hard as it is, but on top of all of this, I have all these million these people are crazy over a crumb, and they're nervous about all these things, it's a very tense time. The cleaning before Pesach is extremely tense, and as we know, kips are allergic, allergic to tension and pressure. And of course, mommies especially who are cleaning have to be able to take a deep, deep breath and make sure that the pressure that the pressure does not affect their kip and that they don't feel it in the air, and they have to learn sometimes to go to the to the rabbis and to realize that there are some things that don't need to be done, they're chumrus. And this year, maybe you can't do a Chumrah because you can't sacrifice your child because of a Chumrah. We also know that even when we make weddings and when there's always a deadline going to the airport, they never make it. Over here also, there's deadlines. The night before, and then, and then the morning is very pressured, and you have to burn it, and you can't have it. A couple of things we need to understand. First thing is, you need to call your paisik beforehand. I have heard many Paisicim say that if your Kip has Chumetz in the house in his room that it's not your problem and that you don't have an Avera. You have to check it out. I heard somebody say um, that he doesn't have a problem. He sells the room of the kip, um, or Somebody else said he sells the room with the kit inside so it's not a problem. You could sell it and other people say that after Pesach they don't buy it back so it's not their problem a the whole year. Anyway, all kidding aside, you have to ask your Pesach what happens? Are you gonna freak out and hurt your child for no reason? Or for a reason? You have to know. If it's not your problem, then if they come in with chametz, with trays it's not your issue. Um, in general, we know that our chevrah of families that do twisted parenting do not have rebellious children, which means that they're not going to come in and sprinkle chametz all over the house. They're going to be very nice to you, and they're going to be very respectful. But they still, it depends on their stage, sometimes they're just going to go out, buy a pizza, Rachmanelotzelan, Domino's Pizza, and they're going to bring it home. They're not going to put it on your dining room table, at least not, definitely not on purpose, so we don't want to make a trauma out of it. We go through many chapters in this story. We want each chapter to come and to go. We want each chapter to begin and to end without damage to the relationship, to the child, to the future. Because the more that we keep our cool and we keep the kip happy without traumatizing him in the name of religion, in the name of society, and everything like that, the better they are in coming back. And that's what we want. It hurts us the way they are, we deal with our pain. We understand that in many cases Patre, mm-hmm. in many cases your putter. You have to know each one and you have to speak to mm-hmm. your rabbi to get a psaq for your situation and you have to figure out how to do with it, how to deal with it, which means that in the morning when you're busy finishing up the Khamets and everything, he might wake up and he might want breakfast at three o'clock in the afternoon. You're preparing for a Seder, everything is off. Because at the end of the day, if you treat him like a chayla, if you realize it's a 104 fever, and he threw up for the last three days beforehand, you would always make sure that with all the preparation, you will be very smart and proactive and have foresight to make sure that there's a crack pot with chicken and, and you know, peisek food, potato kegel and chicken that's available for the afternoon. You'll find ways to make sure that he shouldn't come up. He's going to say, I'm hungry. And you're going to be like, ah, now I should, ah. Yes, you have to know. They eat. They eat at all the wrong times. They're chaylem. They're not interested in eating uh, stuff that you can't feed them. You might find out that for a kip, that Erev Pesach, maybe you can give him matzah. Maybe you can give him things that we don't usually eat before the that You have to know. You have to ask your Pesach. Another very important thing is that we're not able to do with kips. We're trying to be Makar of them, and we believe that they're chaylim or Shaita, chayla, whatever you want to call it, that we can't tell them that you're going to come home tonight from Shul at 8.30, and you're going to start uh, getting the, the preparations. At 9.30, you're going to make Kiddush, Kaddish, Urchatz, uh, Karpas. Finally, at 10.30, we're going to give them a potato, and then say, oh, make sure not more than a kazai is torture. Wow, that's torture. I heard, by the way, that you have to check out with your plastic. I heard you're allowed to have more than a kazaias. My whole life, they were torturing me for nothing. We're starving. I never ate so much. I wanted so much a potato and salt water. Since Auschwitz, I don't think anybody ever wanted a potato like we want that potato. It's the most yummy thing in the world. Whenever we're eating it, I tell my wife, during the year, why don't you ever make this? It's so delicious. Of course it's delicious. We're starving. Okay, so you give them that potato, maybe you give them 18 potatoes and maybe you can make french fries out of it, and maybe you can do other things with that stuff. But you're not gonna do that, and then six hours later have the meal. At the very minimum, you're gonna have food available all the time. He can go at seven o'clock, at eight o'clock, when Tati's in shul. You know, like they have a children's menu in the hotels, they have a children's dining room, they eat supper at six o'clock, 6.37, whenever they want, his supper should be ready. That's one of the major things that we have to do to take away the pressure. And then on top of that, we have to do a speed Seder. We can't do four, five, six hours stretching out. It doesn't work. We want to be Makarifim. We've done speed Seder in the past successfully. It's taka, um, a very big chidish to do it, but it's mamish mamish beautiful and it works every time. We'll talk more about that in class, but these are the ideas that you have to start thinking about. Bye.